Welcome to the Emmaus Fellowship Teaching Podcast. We trust you find this encouraging. Emmaus Fellowship is located at 205 North Pine Street in Woodland Park, Colorado. Our phone number is 719-687-6061. We trust you find this encouraging as you pour over God's Word with us. Gave me a voice and a song Taught me how to sing I usually don't do this when I'm with you guys, but I'm going to just take a moment and kind of share a, I'm going to give a shout out to the Lord Jesus in front of you guys. Um, My youngest daughter, Rebecca, um, ever since she was a little girl, the first thing she said to me is, Dad, I I want to be a mom. And uh, she had gotten married about five years ago, and Rebecca's gone through a hard time with this. She's had several miscarriages, and she had um, basically told me, gosh, I don't know if I can go through this. This is very painful for me. And when we'd have Mother's Day, it would, I would find my daughter outside, and, I'd, and we, she would be weeping, and we would have to go through a process of that. And Nine months ago, she got pregnant again, and we, you know, every time it wasn't a rejoicing thing. It was, are we going to make it? And uh, bless the Lord, my daughter had her first child on Tuesday. (laughs) (laughs) Amelia Catherine. And uh, that little girl, I'm telling you, she came into their household and broke something off of them. It's awesome. I just am so grateful. I can't wait to grab that kid, throw her up in the air, and thank the Lord for her. So, yeah, I'll catch her after I get done. <laughs> when I saw Kelly holding her, they sent me a picture of it because I had come out here on Wednesday. Uh, I just thought, gosh, this is such a victory. What a what a blessing the Lord is. So I just wanted to share that with you guys. Yeah. Um, also, I'm going to share another thing. Uh, since last month I was here talking with you about the glory of God, you know, I get done with these things. I go home, live my life. I go to Minnesota also in the middle of the month and spend four days up there doing training. And the couple um, I stay with, uh, I've known them for 25 years. And so... Uh, the wife and the husband met on a missionary trip. They're very faithful. I, I I would stay in their house and many times come downstairs and they'd be praying all night. And I'm like, well, I don't even know if I'm saved. They're just that kind of people. So, um, she, the woman, um, is a natural evangelist. Every time we go somewhere, she leads three or four people to the Lord. It's kind of phenomenal to watch and. She's also involved in the city council up in Minneapolis, and she's just about to open a coffee shop. So she's, like, busy. So I'm up there, and they also have a bed and breakfast in their house, if you can imagine. And so they let me stay in it sometimes when I'm in town if it's not, someone else isn't renting it out. And they, I come home on a Friday after doing teaching in another city, and it's late, and I stopped at Chick-fil-A to get dinner. And they're like, we need to talk to you. And um, usually when people say that to me, that's either 
there was a problem you need to solve or something. And it was late. And so I'm literally standing outside at 10 o'clock at night trying to balance my iPad and my Chick-fil-A nuggets. And they're trying to say, hey, we, there's something going on around the house. We need to have a talk with you about it. And I just kind of said, guys, gosh, I really love you, but I'm so tired. I don't think I can focus. Is there any way we could talk about this tomorrow? And they're like, yes. And I could tell they were excited about something. But they said, okay, so I went downstairs, didn't think anything else about it, kind of ignored that whole thing. Woke up the next day, went to Starbucks to get some uh, egg bites and hot chocolate. And they're texting me, gosh, we really need to talk to you. Please please meet us at the back door. And I'm like, okay. So I, I come, and they're like, well, come on in. We need to have a conversation with you. And I'm like, I'm also on their board, so we've had to go over all this stuff to get ready for the coffee shop, and I thought we were going to have to talk about that again. And they're like, well, we need to kind of tell you something, and um, we need you to brace yourself. And I'm like, okay. And they said, about a week and a half ago, an angel appeared in our backyard. <laughs> How would you like your friends to start a conversation with you like that? And so I said, okay. And they said, and we went out there because we felt like the Lord wanted us to go out there, so we went out there. And the angel had left at this point, but they had gone to a certain part of their yard, and they said the Lord spoke to both of them at the same time, the same thing four times, I'm here. Then they said after that happened, they said they both had a vision of angels just filling their backyard. And I said, well, when was that? And they said, well, this, this was a week and a half ago. And I said, okay, and, and I'm waiting. Well, like, so, like, did you fall on the ground? I mean, what are you talking about? And they're like, well, no. Ever since uh, the Lord told us that, um, the wife has been shaking under the presence of the Lord for over a week and a half when I showed up. I, it's actually kind of funny. I don't know if you guys think God has a sense of humor, but when God ministers to people, people respond, and I think it's funny. No one else does, but I, she can hardly walk, and I just think that's hilarious, and so I'm laughing at her. And... She, her and her husband can't even sleep in the same bedroom because she shakes all night under the presence of the Lord. And she's telling me this. And if you guys ever hear people talk about their encounters with the Lord, you think, well, that's nice for you, but what does that have to do with me? So she said, um, we're trying to figure out what's going on. Would you please go out into the backyard? And I said, okay. <laughs> so I went and put my hot chocolate down, and I just, you know, you don't know what's going to happen when you walk into a situation. Someone can experience the Spirit of the Lord, and you could be just dead. So I just thought, well, I'll just see what's going on. And, and I didn't even know what to think about that whole conversation. So I'm walking out in the backyard, and I get, I get to about, they have this really large backyard. It'd probably be bigger than this whole sanctuary. That would give you an idea. I walk to a, a certain point, and the Spirit of the Lord hits me. I'm like, what in the world is going on? I'm not praying or anything else. I'm actually struggling, and the Spirit of the Lord lands on me. And I'm like, wow, this is really intense. And so I just started walking around the backyard, and I'd go into different parts of the backyard, and I'd get like a wave of the power of God would just nail me. Now, I'm trying to actually work through like, well, I'm not praying, and I'm not really even thinking this is possible. Why am I having this encounter right now? So I call my wife on the phone, and I go, Kelly, I'm in John and Melanie's backyard. And I walked to a certain point of the yard, and the Spirit of the Lord hit me. And I, and I said, what do you think about that? And she's not responding, and I'm going, Kelly, are you there? And she's 
she's, hold on just a minute. <laughs> she goes, I'm, I'm trying to contain myself because I almost fell over. The Spirit of the Lord hit me when you were telling me that. I thought, well, Kelly manifests too much, so I'll talk to you later, and I hung up on her. I called a guy I used to travel with. His name was EJ, and I said, hey, EJ, I'm out in this backyard, and I walked to a certain point, and the Spirit of the Lord just hit me, and he's actually resting on me right now. And he starts laughing, and I'm like, is that, is that funny or something? He goes, no, the Spirit of the Lord's filling me with his presence right now. I thought, okay, so what am I supposed to do with this? His presence lords on me as I'm experiencing this. So the guy that I work with in Minneapolis, he's on staff with me. I called him. I said, hey, Paul, would you come over to the house? I need you to uh, come into the backyard. I want to see what happens. And he goes, well, what are you talking about? And I said, well, I, th- I walked into a certain part of the backyard in the spirit of the Lord. He goes, I'll be right there. He hung up the phone. So he drives over and he has this lady that's helping him because he has certain physical conditions. And while I'm waiting for Paul to show up, the couple come and they say, so what the Lord told us is over the last four years, he was going to visit our backyard, and we thought he was just giving symbolic dreams to us. We didn't actually think he'd show up in the backyard. <laughs> and they said, we don't know what to do. She, go, she said, did you notice that someone was in the backyard the other day when you showed up? And I said, yeah. She goes, well, people are finding out about it, and they're just showing up in the backyard, and they're like falling on the ground, and they just stay there for three or four hours. And she said, so if you see that, don't worry about that. And I'm like, okay. And she goes, so what are we supposed to do? She's asking me like I have some profound knowledge. And I'm like, well, what's probably going to happen is people are going to find out about it, and they're going to come in your backyard, pray. The presence of the Lord is going to intensify. They're going to tell their friends, and then they're going to show up. She said, well, we kind of figured that was going to happen because we felt like the Lord told us at a certain point about two or 300 people were going to start showing up in the backyard. <laughs> Do you guys get this? So the whole time I'm sitting there, I'm not even trying to focus on the presence of the Lord. I'm not trying to pray or anything, and I can feel the tangible embrace of God's goodness on me the whole entire time. Finally, my friend shows up, and he gets hit by the Spirit of the Lord, and the lady that's helping him, she falls down on the ground, And I sat there with them for four hours just analyzing the power and the presence of the Lord being in that backyard. It it did not lift off once. It's like, this is the most interesting thing. They left. I just thought, I'm going to just spend the rest of the day here. Now, if you you guys have ever had this, and this is going to go into the message, if you ever get to experience this, it's like when God draws near in a certain way, it messes with your perception of time. It's like eternity takes over and you stop worrying about time. I spent eight hours in the backyard and it felt like it was only like an hour. And just like, gosh, this is so, oh, this is so refreshing. So good. Uh, And usually I'm always trying to, well, what are you doing here? Why are you doing this? Should we sell T-shirts? All that kind of stuff. (laughs) And I was just relaxing and enjoying it. And I said, what's the like, what is this, God? I mean, what are you doing here? And he said, well, this is a pool of refreshing. He says, and I'm going to leave it here for these guys. He said, but you you also need to know I'm going to be doing this around the country, so you need to get ready for it. So you need to get ready for it. You grab your Bibles. Hey, I'm not telling you because I think it's a good story. I think something's going to happen. Would you go with me to Isaiah 60, verse 12? Last month, I, I had the honor to talk to you about the glory of God. 
Um, I am now being intensely gripped by this subject, so I'm, I'm either I'll not talk about it at all or you're going to be hearing me talk about it for a while. But um, I'm going back and I'm starting to look at everywhere in Scripture where it talks about the glory of God, and I'm just letting the glory of God become a focal point because I'm starting to see something about it that I've seen before, but I haven't got to plummet the depth of it. So I'm intentionally making myself be in this arena because of some stuff I think God's going to be doing in my own personal life and in the body of Christ. So when the, so the first place that we go in Scripture where it starts talking about the glory of God, it talks about the glory of God in regard to a manifestation of God actually showing up in the natural where the children of Israel can see it. And so he appears in the clouds, he appears in front of them, he appears on the tent of meeting. Uh, if they have an argument, the glory of God appears. I mean, uh, in fact, it was kind of interesting. The glory of God um, was what was unique about the whole Exodus story. It wasn't really the trials they went through. It was the fact that God's presence was with four million people the whole time they were in the wilderness. And God started not just saying, hey, isn't this phenomenal? He started introducing the idea of his glory. Now think about this. I was so uh, encouraged through the message and Chris is reading the passage of Scripture because he kept talking about the glory of God. So isn't this fascinating? God is in heaven. The Trinity is in heaven right now sharing the glory of God, and then they create you and I to participate in this. So you're fashioned for the glory of God. You're fashioned to know it, to enjoy it, to long for it. So as the glory of God is being developed in Scripture, God's presence was supposed to be normal with his people. These manifestations, even in the natural, were common. Can you imagine? And then as it starts going through Scripture, it starts describing the glory of God, and it says that in Habakkuk, to give you an example, it says the knowledge of the glory of the Lord is going to cover the whole face of the earth just as the water covers the ocean. So I, I started realizing that when the Bible is talking about glory, it, it, depending on who's talking about it and what they're saying, they're saying it's a manifestation. It's, the, it's something that God, so it, we actually find in Habakkuk, it actually says there's a point to the glory of God. So could you imagine? God's saying, not only do I want to appear to a group of people, I actually want this to flood the whole creation so everybody has the knowledge of this. Isn't that interesting? Because that would tell us that that would be how God would prepare us to go spend eternity with him, wouldn't it? We would begin to get accustomed to the glory of God, and then we just step into it forever. And so, as it goes through the Psalms, it begins to use the word glory as either a demonstration of God's majesty or his presence, or it, it, it comes into worship. And then it becomes something that we actually worship the Lord, be, we glorify him. And we talk about his glory. And then as you guys were with me last month, I was sharing with you that the glory of God was powerful a lot in the Old Testament, but it's extremely unique in the New Testament and how God has called us to walk in the glory of God. Now, what I'm going to look at with you today is how the Bible talks about the glory of God and how it rises in your life, how God calls it to intensify so look with me here in uh, Isaiah 
chapter 60, verse 2. This is actually a prophetic word about the glory of God. So God demonstrates this, says this is how you should know him. He wants to share this with you. And then he's going to talk to you about, well, what's actually going on from the fall of man and what does the glory of God do in regard to this? And I, I think it's fascinating. He says, now, I'm doing verse 2. The first part of this is just covering God's kingdom, his view of his kingdom, what it's like in the city of God, and how it's the shining of the glory of God. And so it says this in verse 2, Behold, darkness will cover the earth, and a deep darkness the people. But the Lord will rise upon you, and his glory will appear upon you. Well, that's kind of interesting, isn't it? And so let's just kind of work through this. The word darkness here, obviously, this would be a symbolic thing. And when I was looking up the Hebrew words for this, I actually thought darkness and deep darkness were the same Hebrew word, but they weren't. So we're going to see a distinction here. The word darkness actually means, now the foundation of the word means obscurity. And what it does is it branches out to have other meanings. So the main idea here is the world after the fall has come into obscurity. So now let's put some language. What do we mean by obscurity? It means that um, destruction is part of, the, of this, death, ignorance, sorrow, and wickedness. These are the words that branch out of this word called obscurity. So the Bible is actually saying that the whole human race is actually flooded with this where it's, it's hard for them to understand what they're doing on the planet. They, it's like they're, they, there's a fog and they can't perceive the reality of what's going on, and it's like a land of sorrow and destruction. And this is where people look at what's going on, and, and they see the fall, and they see what the effects of it, and they're like, how do I find a good God in the middle of all this? And he's telling you, this is the, the thing that's going on with the whole human race. And then it goes and talks about people specifically. It says, deep darkness and deep darkness, the people. So this, this concept, deep darkness, is a different Hebrew word altogether, and it carries the idea of misery. So darkness has filled the whole human race. It just covers the planet, the Bible is telling us here. And what it's done is it's brought obscurity to people. They can't see reality for what it is, and they see destruction, and they see all this stuff. But what is going on in their soul? The Bible is actually now coming to them and saying it's not only something that's going on around them that can be observed. The effect inside the soul is actually interesting. This is the Hebrew word for misery. So the effect of darkness, as the scripture is going to use this analogy instead of saying evil, the effect of darkness is it creates misery in people. Now, connect the idea with me here for the word misery. You're miserable because of what? Because it's heading towards there's a solution to the misery of mankind. So it isn't just the fact that there's darkness on the land that causes misery. It actually means there's an absence of the original intent. You're, you're not miserable because you're on a fallen planet. You're miserable because you're not living in the original intent that God created you for. Mankind is looking for not only be redeemed, but a restoration to original intent. What, what was the original intent? 
the light of Christ, the light of God's glory resting on mankind. So look at the passage with me here. By the way, as we're going on in the passage, I want to—I brought this up last month, but I want to kind of dig into this with you guys. I believe that it is God's intent to ruin you by his glory. And I believe that God encounters you and I intentionally so that you will stop being satisfied with lesser glories. Uh, I remember saying this to my wife a long time ago. I said, you know what's going to probably happen by the end of my life? I'm going to be so unsatisfied with the earth that it'll be time to go to heaven. Because every time I try to find what I would call that one place in my heart for only the glory of God is, and I try to replace it with something that should not be there, I find myself disgusted with that after a while and not satisfied with it. I feel like, do you guys feel like this? I feel like I'm wandering on the planet, go, would someone please feed me? <laughs> I, have this, I have this appetite for a glory burger. And every time God draws near to me, I become more hungry, and I can't be satisfied with the glory I just experienced. I've got to have more, and it's got to be more intense. Are you guys like that? <laughs> I, it kind of scares me to be in groups of believers where we're just talking about a glory God did 20 years ago, and it's like we're slowly dying, and we think that's normal. Gosh, you remember a long time ago, 20 years ago, when God actually showed up, and then... Dirt comes out of my mouth as I'm breathing. I'm just about to die. <coughs> and I fall on the ground. It's like he just did it once. I don't think God just does it once to just say, wasn't that great? Now just be in despair. <laughs> I think God does it because he's trying to whet your appetite and go, now do you want to get in the river or you just want to look at it? So it says this, but the Lord will rise upon you. Now, the, the concept here of rise is actually interesting because the word rise is being used here like darkness at nighttime and the sun rising in the day. That's how the Hebrew word is being used here. So when it says the Lord will rise upon you, you have to think about the sun rising in the morning. So when the the, before the sun rises, what are you seeing when you look at the horizon? You're seeing beams of light. So it's actually describing the process of the glory of God in your life. So you guys realize there's an intensity to the sun when it's first rising compared to at noontime. Is there an intensity to it? There's a difference to it? And so the Bible's now using that illustration to get this point across. The world is like in, at midnight, and God is saying, I'm gonna, it's going to become a new day. I'm going to rise upon you. Now, what's interesting is it's described as beams, so we could actually say it like this, beams of glory are being released over you. Now, remember, people are in misery. And God says, in response to that misery, I'm going to rise upon you. So why is he telling us that? He's saying people have a certain misery that they're longing for connection with the Lord to be satisfied by his glory. So God shoots a beam of his glory in your heart that day so that you can run into them and have a divine connection so you can release the glory of God on them. How many of you walk around? I, I don't know if you guys experience this. Sometimes when I say this stuff, I think, gosh, that really sounds odd. But um, once I started realizing that 
God had the glory of God appear to the nation of Israel, and then it was on the tent of meeting, and then it was in the temple. And then God said, that just isn't the best way for my glory to be shown to mankind. I'm just going to get rid of all that, and I'm just going to put it on people. So that actually means, in a sense, you guys ready? You're just a container to carry the glory of God everywhere. Well, you guys, in the Old Testament, when people came near the glory of God, they kind of like fell on the ground or they repented of stuff or their hearts would be laid open in front of it. So now think about that. You're this ark <laughs> of the glory of God, and everywhere you go, people are being laid open by the presence of the Lord, so they respond to you. And for years, I couldn't figure that out. I'd walk up to people and say, hey, how are you doing today? And all of a sudden, people would just like, Bleh! I mean, just tell me every pain they've ever had. And I'm like, oh my gosh, all I did was show up here to buy some Kleenexes, and I'm in a major counseling session. And I used to say, there must be like this target on me. Do you guys ever talk like that? There has to be this target on me, because every time I get around people, this is what happens all the time. Well, now, why would God do that? He's sending the light of his glory through you. And whether people can acknowledge it or understand it, they can sense that glory touching them and they're longing. And so when you turn and even acknowledge them, it's like they, they cannot respond because the glory of God just opens them up so that they can connect with it. They're longing for it. Now, when I started realizing that people are longing to touch into the glory of God, I realized this isn't as hard as I make it out to be. I'm always trying to figure out how to be clever. Like, let me help you with your intellectual problems. And they're like, really, can you kind of just shut up, Brian, so I can get to the glory of God? <laughs> so I was always trying to intellectualize everybody into, like, you just don't understand, so I have to help you. And most people are like, really, would you just get past yourself so you can pray for me or something like that? And I started realizing it was my job, and I'm sure you guys recognize this, if they have questions, the owner, I need to answer the questions because they have obstacles in their own life, life and they want to connect, but they don't feel safe. And so they have to be, a, you have to create safety so that you can pour the beam of lights, God, the beam of God's glory and light upon them. Once I started recognizing it, walking around carrying, and you all, you all of us get to do this, we get to walk around carrying the glory of God. It makes every situation supernatural by nature. Because you don't plug in and out of the glory of God. It's with you. And so, have you guys ever tried to be spiritual one day compared to another day? Well, I think I'm really going to be focused and serve the Lord today. And, and you know, tomorrow I'm just going to watch the, the Broncos lose a football game. And so... <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't have said that. Um, Forget that. Stay focused on the passage. But we have days where we think, well, today I'm going to really just kind of focus on Jesus doing that kind of stuff. That's just our intent, but the Bible doesn't ever describe the fact that there's lesser glory moving through you or stronger glory, whether you're paying attention or not. It just says it's resting on you. Isn't that interesting? And here, let's go back to the passage. The, the Bible is saying the Lord will rise upon you and his glory will appear upon you. So now it's actually saying it's something that people can actually perceive. The word see here is not visionary, it's perception. So it's actually saying that people that are in deep darkness are looking for this thing. You walk around them and whether they can sit around and rationalize and figure out what it is, they can perceive it. 
And you end up becoming this container to change everything. Now think about it. If the world is in obscurity and dread and they focus on destruction, they can pull you into it and try to actually make you think you don't carry the solution, the glory of God, but you actually do. The Lord told me to share this illustration. I'm like, gosh, I know this is going to be a hard one, but I'll go ahead and do it and try to be faithful and end up the message. In your own heart, think, do I limit the idea of the glory of God showing up in my life? There's something about just meeting the Lord for the first time. You have this clean slate where you, everything you read in the Bible, you just expect it to happen to you. It takes a while to get among the body of Christ for everyone to talk you out of stuff. Right? And I'm not saying everybody does that, but there is this thing that goes on where if you've experienced the glory of God and I haven't, I'm offended by that because deep down inside, I think I'm better and I'm God's favorite. How could, how could God do that to you if he hadn't done it to me first because I'm his favorite? <laughs> you don't think like that, do you, Brianna? That's, that's really a problem in my family. If you have an experience in God and someone else has an experience of God, I was sharing this last month, the purpose of your experience in God's glory is to make them jealous so they'll cry out for themselves. But most of the time, we feel embarrassed telling each other, yeah, the Lord knocked me on the ground, and I just I felt his love for three or four hours. And, and you know, we look at each other like, so is that like a, a new vitamin B12 combination? I mean, how did you get that? <laughs> right? <laughs> so I'm 20, wow, 22 years old. That's eons ago now. And I'm laying in bed one night. And um, I, I think I'd known the Lord for about three months. And I wasn't particularly praying or doing anything else like that. I was getting ready to go to sleep. And as I'm kind of moving in and out of sleep, being asleep and conscious, um, I have a vision come into me. And it's a cross laying on its side. And, I, and as I'm looking at it, I could tell that, like, the bottom part of the cross that's supposed to be in the ground, it, you know, it's lifted up. I mean, it's just laying on this rock, and I'm looking at it, and I could tell this isn't me in my imagination because I wasn't thinking about it as this thing came into me. It literally came into me like a blinding light. I'm looking at this cross laying down on the ground, and some force picks up the cross and gets lifted up right in front of me, and so... I, I, you guys can imagine, I'm watching this in a vision while I'm laying in my bed. This cross appears in front of me, lifted up, and then this blinding light of God's glory just flashes behind it, and just in the light envelops me completely where I can't even see the cross anymore. It's just an intense blinding light, and I screamed, ah, because <laughs> I'd never had something like that happen before. thought, what was that all about? So when I screamed, I woke up Kelly. And, and as I got done screaming myself awake, Kelly and I are sitting there. <laughs> I can't wait to explain this. This light lifts off my body, and Kelly and I are actually in the room looking at it. And I'm actually saying, do you see that? And she's like, yes. <laughs> and we, we're like, what? Now, if you've ever had this, you... I told you, I analyze everything. I'm looking at that going, why would God do that? And what, instead of enjoying the experience, I'm analyzing it. Why is God doing this? So bizarre. And as I'm starting to go into this 
I think it's actually a form of doubt that Jesus is trying to always break me out of. So like, why is God doing it? And I'm looking at this. It's hovering over me. And Kelly and I are actually having a conversation about it. And it darts out the bedroom window. Literally, we're just watching it go out the bedroom window. And it just goes taking off into the sky. Now, how many courses have you guys had in Bible studies where you sit down and say, now what did you do the night that God lifted his glory off your chest? And you guys watched it scream through the air. All of a sudden, I had that experience, and I walked around the fellowship I was at at that point, and I said, and, I, and I'm new. I, this is three months into the Lord. I thought everybody had these experiences. So I'm walking up to people and going, hey, so what did you do the night that um, the Lord appeared to you, and, and, he, and his light shone around you, and then it just left the room? How did you respond to that? And people look at me like, what in the world are you talking about? Then, after about 200 people, I realized, oh, I can't talk about this. <laughs> this is bugging people. Um, and I had no one to relate to. Don't you feel sorry for me, Brianna, as I'm telling you this story? So my, my only friend became Ezekiel because he was the only person I could read in the Bible that had these ex bizarre experiences in the glory of God. And I'm like, well, at least I can relate to this guy. So Ezekiel became my friend for a while. I just liked the book of Ezekiel because... He is being pulled out of his body by his hair and all this other stuff. Now, that experience, one, still trying to work out what all that was about, but two, once God did that to me, something was left inside of me that I can't shake to this day. I'm not satisfied with common Christianity anymore. And I talk to my friends about this all the time, uh, it's kind of hard to be around me because I'm always pressing everybody. When can we get to the next stage of the glory of God showing up? <laughs> Are you guys like that? I mean, I, I just sit here and think, you know, I love studying the Bible. You guys can tell I love studying the Bible, but I'm studying it because I'm, I'm on this treasure hunt to find the glory of God. And I believe the Lord is chasing all of us in this pursuit. There's something about the glory of God that causes you to know his love, know his presence, and long for him. And the more you go deeper into it, the more it attracts people to you to experience the glory of God. It's like, have you thought about it this way? The glory of God is a magnet to humanity. So how many of you, when I was talking about that backyard, in your head said, I want to go to Minnesota right now? Yeah, that's, that's right. It's cheaper. You don't have to drive, all that other stuff. But I've noticed something, and you guys tell me if you recognize this too. Every time the glory of God shows up in a place, you don't have to ask people if they want to go meet Jesus. You say to them, God's showing up here, and all of a sudden it's like something awakes in everybody, and they just run as fast as they can. I've got to get there. Now, Instead of it being something that just periodically shows up, God is trying to get us to a different place. He wants it settling on us so that when people come in the midst of us, we're all experiencing the glory of God together. You guys can imagine. I was watching, and I'll finish with this. I was watching a video several years ago by a gentleman. His name's George Otis Jr., and he used to do these things called transformation videos. And so he would travel around the world and just 
find out where the Holy Spirit was touching communities, and then he would do research on it to find out what he would call the eternal principles that could be brought into any community so that the community could be transformed by the glory of God. And if you want to watch the videos, they're just free on, on YouTube all the time, transformation videos. Georgia's, ours. And so he, he went into a town, have you, have you seen that? And he goes into a town in Guatemala. How many of you have seen this? So he goes into a town in Guatemala, and there were idol worshipers. And uh, they had a problem with the men beating the women and alcoholism and all this other stuff, right? And every evangelist that went into town was chased out of town. And so they, they, no evangelist would ever go into the town to try to present the gospel. Finally, God convinced this one evangelist he had to go do it, whether he wanted to or not. I always think it's funny how God talks people into stuff. And he said that um, people kept trying to uh, put guns in his mouth and shoot him. Isn't that a great way to spend a Saturday night? And so he's preaching the gospel, and it's upsetting everybody, and it's affecting probably some demonic spirit in the region, and so the way they're going to resolve it, can you imagine, uh, these nations? So they put a gun in his mouth, and they keep shooting it, and it clicks, but it won't shoot the bullet in his mouth, but then they'll shoot it over here, and it'll shoot, and then they put it back in his mouth, and it'll click, and finally they just gave, they gave up. I think that's a great way to bring the gospel into your guys' region. Um, just start preaching the gospel here and get a group of guys that want to kill you. <laughs> so he said, after that, something broke. And all of a sudden he said, the, the presence of the Lord came into the community and started doing miracles to where uh, a lady was having her body eaten up by cancer. And she said, the Lord appeared before her and... By just looking at the Lord, her whole entire body was healed. By just looking at the Lord. And that hit the town, and all of a sudden, people just started running to the Lord and coming into salvation. They have like, well, I think it was, gosh, I want to make sure I get this right, at least five. This is a really small town, and they had like five churches, and they were showing the worship service where people are just jumping up and down and screaming to connect with the Lord. And it's affected their whole entire city. They went from where they could barely grow crops to where they produced crops four times a year. The, the carrots are as long as your arm, and they're about that thick. And they said all they did was just seek the Lord, and the Lord would tell them how to grow their crops better. Do you guys, are you guys getting it? God has called you to enjoy the glory of God, and if you just go enjoy it, it affects everything in your life. The benefit of enjoying God's glory is that he touches everything with it. They ended up getting rid of the idol. The, police, the sheriff of the town doesn't do anything. He just walks around town. Uh, they had to close down, close down all the prisons. Uh, I think the community was cute. They, they realized the Lord had touched them so much with his glory that they started naming all their businesses after Jesus and changing the names of all their streets and named them after biblical people. God has prospered that city. They meet, in, and I still think they do it today, they meet at noon on Friday, the whole entire town, to worship the Lord and ask God to bring the glory to the whole entire world. Isn't that phenomenal? Here's what God's promising us. His city is unique because he lets his glory rise upon it. 
And he's trying to talk to you and I about it. Hey, get ready. God's going to keep rising his glory upon you. He's going to bring a distinction to you guys, and it's going to be recognized as the glory of the Lord is going to be in your midst. Would you guys pray with me? Lord, I just want to thank you for your promises of your presence and your glory. We long for this. We ask for it. We ask that this would be a time where you refresh us. Lord, if I can ask, would you bring a pool of refreshing into this region for the sake of everyone here? Let it come. Stir up rivers of glory inside of your children right now. And anywhere that blocks this river, I ask that your love would push past that, that you would settle on us, Lord. And I just bless you. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. It's our joy to offer these podcasts. We sure hope you enjoyed it. If you have any questions, any prayer requests, feel free to drop us a line at Fellowship at iCloud.com. If you're curious about ways you can be more deeply involved in this community, visit our website at EmmausFellowship.org and be sure to like our Facebook page.